is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Barry Church, Danny McRae, and Nui Scruggs. All right, it's Friday. It's that time. Players Lounge. All right, we are still uh, self-quarantining, so we're doing the show from our respective casas. Barry Church has decided that he's going to come back and grace us with his presence. Uh, Dave Welcome back. I did it last week, but but Jerry Barry was out uh, hanging out, trying to play Carl Malone all up in the woods. So <laughs> tell me what all you shot. What did you shoot, and what did you catch uh, fishing? So let us know, man. Uh, fishing wise, I didn't catch a thing, man. I had a couple bites, man. I just I gotta get that wrist moving back, back to, uh, to back to where it was. Um, as far as shooting golf, man, I actually played terrible, man. I think I shot. The two days I was there, I shot a 97 and a 94, I think it was. So it was more about just hanging out. I was terrible on the course, but uh, it was a great time to just relax. And now I'm back on the best podcast in America. So let's get it cracking. All right. Danny McCray, Barry Church, former Dallas Cowboys defensive backs. Um, McCray, I missed Church last week, man. But, you know, Church was out doing his thing. And one of the things that, that, that you and I – have got to settle since church is back is this Dak Prescott bet that you want to make. So, so lay it out and, and let, okay. let church uh, understand exactly what we got going. Look, look, okay. So church, you know, we've been going back and forth about July 15th. Is that going to get a long-term deal? He's going to play on a franchise tag. I believe he's playing on a franchise tag. Newey says he's going to get his four year deal before July 15th, before the deadline. And since he's going to lose twice, He's going to have to go eat. He's going to pay for the food, but it's going to be at a place of his choosing this time. Okay. Okay. But is it like fast food choosing or does it have to be a restaurant? Nah. First of all, Nui knows. Listen, it's going to be a real restaurant. Sit down. It's not no Waffle House. None of that stuff. It's a real place. Okay. I didn't even order a drink. I didn't even, I didn't even order a drink last time on Nui. So this time it's going to be different. Can, can we change the rules in terms of a restaurant since we're dealing with COVID-19 right now? Can, can, can we change it? No, no, no. I expect us to be here for a long time. You can postpone this bet. You have the you have the right to postpone this one until we're able to get back out and sit down in the restaurant. Uh, just know you just know you owe me. <laughs> uh, all right. So church, church here. You know this this is my stance, and I'll you know put okay. it out there for Cowboys Nation. I believe a deal is going to get done. It may be as what we saw a few years ago with Des Bryant, where it gets done, you know, the day of, last moments, boom, they get it done. But I do believe that Dak Prescott is going to get his deal with the Cowboys, and he's going to get his four years by July 15th, but he will not play the 2020 season under the franchise tag. So that is my belief. Uh, Barry Church, clearly, Barry, um, we see Danny doesn't have faith in Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones to get a deal done. Oh. So I'm going to rise upon history and will believe in the Cowboys that they'll take care of number four the way they say they have. And though I don't want to do a restaurant, if this is what Danny wants to do, I'll do what Danny wants to do. But I've got faith that the Cowboys will take care of number four and all will be well. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Church Church and Chris witnessed you uh, accepting this bet because <laughs> you'll be losing again. I'm going to eat good this time. 
I am definitely yes, a yes. witness. I'm, a, I'm definitely a witness to this deal. Um, but I got to agree with Nui on this one, man. I think, you know, we've heard about it in the past. We've all seen him in the past. But Jerry Jones always said, man, he's never let a player walk out or he's never lost a deal that, you know, he wanted a player to stay. And I think this is just another one of those occasions. Yeah, it's going to be tooth and nail. And I think it's going to come down to the right. wire like the like the Des Bryant situation did. But um, overall, I think they're going to get the deal done. I think Dak's going to get his four-year deal that he wants. He's been playing hardball. And I don't think he's going to relinquish that four-year deal. So I think he'll get that. And they'll start the season. But I I think it'll come down to the last second, the last moment, and I think they'll get a deal done. So, so I think Nui's going to get this one. So t- so tell me this. So how does it affect the bet if Dak takes a five-year deal? Oh, it doesn't affect the bet. I, I, uh, still I, I, I still win. I still win. Nui was still hey, hey, listen. Hey, Nui. Hey, Nui. Go rewind the episode from last week, and we discussed this, and we said that the bet was for you that he was going to make a four-year deal, not five. But if you want to forget that, that's fine. We can we can change the stipulations of the bet and say if okay. he signs any deal. Okay, so let me make sure I get this straight. You're saying he's going to play on a franchise tag of one year, okay? So one year. So whether he Be, because he's because four, he's not getting he's, the five because he's not getting the four. That's why because he's not getting the four. The reason why is because he's not getting a four year deal. If they sign a five, then I you know if if he has to fold, then I then he then he'll get the deal. If he signs a five year deal or four year deal, you still lose because you say he's going to play on a franchise tag, a one year deal. So I, this I is this is here. this is under the assumption of what we talked about last week, where you said he's playing. The, he's signing the deal; it's going to be four years. I said, nah. If, if if it's a four-year deal that he's looking for, and that's the only way he's going to play, then he's playing on the franchise tag. So if he if he signs the fifth-year deal, y'all just going to make it oh, null and void. I, 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 I mean, you tell me, it's, Danny. I mean, Danny up here making like Keyshawn. You just changing the goalpost. You changing. Listen, the goalpost. I, listen, <laughs> listen. Hey, Nui, we, we can go find the clip from last week. It, it, it was said on here, and you said we'll wait for Church to hear. This is exactly why I want him to hear. So we can just okay. agree that no, no matter what happens, if Dak signs the deal, then I lose. If he doesn't sign the deal, and he only signs the franchise tag, then you lose. Okay. So, so you have two ways to win. So you got two ways to win. It's real easy, Church. It's a multi-year deal for Dak Prescott that I believe he will sign, the Joneses will get him to, and Church says it's going to be a franchise one-year tag. It's that no, simple. Danny, it's that simple. Not, no, Church, Church says it's going to be a franch- I mean, a, a multi-year deal with you. I say it's going to be a franchise tag, but you also said it's going to be a four-year deal. It's going to be four. Okay. okay right. and, 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 I'll, and, and for those who didn't listen last week to the Players' Lounge and didn't catch it on Rewind, which you can, by the way, you always go to Twitter, DallasCowboys.com. If you missed the show, and boom, hit it, and it'll replay and see the whole thing. Dak Prescott wants a four-year deal because that's what Ryan Tannehill signed with Tennessee, what Aaron Rodgers signed with Green Bay, what Carson Wentz signed with Philadelphia, what Jared Goff signed with the Rams, uh, what Russell Wilson signed with the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody's doing a four-year deal. The Cowboys want a five-year deal because they like signing guys to five- and six-year deals, something you saw with Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you saw that with Zach Martin. You saw it with Travis Frederick. This is what they like to do. But the quarterback market is always a different market than, than what we see for other players. And the agent, Todd France, who's driving this deal, wants a four-year deal. And Todd France is not going to be able to – look as good as he wants to to future clients if he does not get Dak Prescott in line with what other quarterbacks are getting in the NFL. So that's why I believe it's going to be a four-year deal. I mean, with, with, with that argument, I thought you should have took the bet on the four-year deal. But, I mean, like I said, you you can have two ways to win, man. I, I'm, I'm up you. one already, so I, I'll take this one. 
you, you need you need a you 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 you, you need a little a little help with this, yeah. so I give it to you. Go ahead. Yes, I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take every advantage that I can. <laughs> All right, so mm-hmm. let 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 us dive into odds. Okay, uh, we've been looking at odds here in, in, in our pre-show prep. Um, you guys brought it up. The odds for the Cowboys. Um, let's start with the coach of the year, and this comes from uh, SportsBetting.ag. Mike McCarthy and Bill Belichick are tied as favorites to win NFL Coach of the Year at twelve to one. Church, your thoughts? Uh, to me, I, I think this is blasphemy. I think this is. I mean, we're already putting this. We're already putting Coach McCarthy. Granted, respected coach, won a Super Bowl. He's been in the playoffs multiple times. I get it. He's a great coach, but he's been off a year. He's coming back off of being off a year after being fired from the Packers, and we're already putting him up there with Bill Belichick as maybe Coach of the Year. We haven't even played. A, we haven't even had a mini camp or OTA practice. We don't even see how he interacts with his players yet, and we're already saying he's going to be. The, he's he's going to be the Coach of the Year or up there with the. Coach Coach of the year, I think it's complete blasphemy. I mean, give this guy a chance to to interact with his players, give him a chance to incorporate what his coaching style and his coaching system is before we just automatically say the odds for him are going to be astronomical. I mean, it's just to me, it's ridiculous. But he is loaded on with talent on offense on the offensive side of the ball. But like I said, it takes more than talent to just win a game and win a season. So I think it's blasphemy that he's ranked that high. But we shall see. McCray. Yeah, I, I don't understand, but uh, I mean, just like Church said, the, the history that he had as, as far as getting fired in Green Bay in the last couple of years that he had there, then being off a year, then coming to the Cowboys, and then automatically being a candidate for Coach of the Year is a little confusing. I'm 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 leaning more toward like a Belichick or a Bruce Arians for that uh, next year. I don't think McCarthy will be. In the, in the top four, I don't think he should be just based off the, like what Church said. He hadn't been around the players yet. We hadn't seen him in a year. We have no idea what he's really going to be doing uh, for this team and for this offense yet. But I mean, it, it's Vegas, and and usually usually they get this thing right. So maybe they know something that we don't know. It is Las Vegas. They make money there for a reason. Okay, so let's go to some more odds here. How about wins? And this is what I found on several different sites. So when it comes to wins, Auction uh, Action Network says 9.5 for the Cowboys. Uh, Bet MGM has 10. CBS Sports has 9.5. Bleach Report has 11. And Todd Archer, our friend over at ESPN.com, has the Cowboys winning 10 games. Danny McCray, how do you like that? Nine and a half well, and ten wins. So basically, ten wins well, for the Cowboys. A ten and six record is what people are predicting. Well, 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 well you know, I, I went eleven and five uh, a couple, a few episodes ago. So I'm sticking with that one. So I think the, the higher, the better. I, I think they have a chance to go eleven and five just based off the schedule that they have. So I don't think they're far off with that one. But it's, I think it will be mainly due to ease of schedule and opponent. Yeah, sure. like Danny said, it was yeah, like Danny said, um, you know, I think a couple episodes back I had either a nine and seven or a ten and six record. So like Vegas is kinda on par with with, with I'm going with this Cowboys team, but uh, just to reiterate the last little subject we talked about, if he is at nine and seven or ten and six I don't think that has any doing for him being coach of the year, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens when it when it comes to that opportunity. But I don't think a nine and seven record, or maybe even a ten and six record, I'm not sure, will win this NFC East. So I think they're going to have to bump it up to what McCray said, eleven wins, if they're going to want to be a playoff team and coach of the year and all that good stuff. But um, I'm going with nine and seven or, or ten and six. Now, Danny, you you did say eleven and five, eleven and five, and winning the NFC East. 
will definitely put Mike McCarthy in the conversation. And if this team does what we think, okay, think they can do, which is score 30 a game and have a better defense. If you've got a better defense and you're creating more sacks and you're getting some interceptions, and as I said, they're scoring 30-plus points a game, that's going to put him in the conversation because what do we know? And you guys get this because you played for the Cowboys. You're going to be on TV a lot. And people will talk about the Cowboys from last year's team underachieving under Jason Garrett to fulfilling potential that they have under Mike McCarthy. Those are the things that help spur you towards Coach of the Year. People look at what happened last year and how did you make it better this year. But I, I, I kind of think that's a setback for McCarthy because we all expect, just like everyone else around the league, for the offense, if you can put any type of coach in there with, with the weapons that they have, that it should be a top-notch offense. Like, it, it, I don't think that it will be something that they would say this is something creative that Mike McCarthy did with, with, a, with a bunch of guys that didn't have much talent or no names. These guys are proven guys and Pro Bowl caliber guys who will be – player for him on offense, so I don't think it would be such a big deal for him to score 30 points a game. In my mind, and a lot of other people's mind, he should be able to put up those type of points this season. Now, see, Danny, I'm I'm glad you went there. Barry, jump in on this. So, when we spoke about three weeks ago, right here on the Players' Lounge on DallasCowboys.com, I spoke real highly about Mike McCarthy, and then blogging the boys ended up writing a post based off our conversation and saying that, hey, look, you know, Mike McCarthy, what real good his last runs in Green Bay had issues with him. So here's a guy who lost his job, and then what was used against Mike McCarthy for some some people last year, they said, hey, look how much better they are without him. So if he comes in here and ends up, you know, in some ways, reviving what he used to be able to do, I think that may score him some points. Church? Yeah, I think that'll uh, score him some points. You made a lot of valid points there. You know, the Cowboys, I think they have five national televised games. Um, as far as like primetime games this year. So he'll be on the spotlight a lot. And like you said, if he's able to, you know, get 10 wins and the offense looks good, defense is playing a lot better than last year, I can give him the points of being, you know, coach of the year up there for the coach of the year. But uh, we've seen this happen time and time again with the Dallas Cowboys, with the offseason having these lofty expectations. Oh, we got this guy. This offense is going to be explosive. This defense is going to be shut down. And I think those expectations hurt uh, Coach Garrett in the past. I mean, with all these Lofty, we're going to be playoffs, we're going to be Super Bowl champs. And those expectations, we didn't fulfill those. I mean, Coach Garrett, he never had like a terrible losing season, but he didn't fulfill those expectations. So it made it seem like the coaching job he was doing was subpar. But I think those lofty expectations might hurt uh, Mike McCarthy in the end. But like I always say, we got to see what happens on the field first. All right, so let's then dive into Super Bowl odds for the Cowboys. Uh, Caesars has the Cowboys fourth. Overall, with the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl, they went Kansas City, San Francisco, Baltimore, then Dallas. And then over at thelines.com, they have the Cowboys with the sixth best odds to win the Super Bowl. I personally am not one that likes to jump on Super Bowl odds. Haven't seen the Super Bowl around here since the 95 season. So, uh, Church, you start there. Your thoughts on Super Bowl, which I find is used way too much with the Cowboys. Way too much. This is used way too much. I mean, now we're talking about we're going into the Super Bowl already. We got Super Bowl odds. I mean, this, like you said, this team, um, you know, they were what, eight and eight last year. You know, the expectations were up to the roof, and we weren't able to meet those expectations. And it hurt this team at the end of the le- at the end of the day. So for us to already say that we're, we're Super Bowl contenders just because we had a couple good draft picks and our offense looks explosive on paper, um, I think that you know that's out of that's out of pocket and out of line. And I just think they got to put in the work first to be able to get that Super Bowl contention. But um, on paper, they seem explosive. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, the Super Bowl picks for me. That, that I mean, that's a little difficult. I, I because just you, you never know what a team will be from year to year. Like it, it, Church in Jacksonville, you guys went to AFC Championship, and then the next year it was you guys were a totally different team. So you just Trash. never know. That's and that goes. That, that's the same thing with the Cowboys and even the Chiefs. You just really have no idea. So these odds, these are betting odds. Vegas is going to put this up there because. They will actually make a lot of money off this. People, the hype train is so big that people are going to go bet these odds for the Cowboys, and, and you know Jerry Jones and them will live off of it. Uh, so I, I, I think it's you know we, we're a little bit too far ahead with this one. Let's try to win one game at a time. Let's start at the division or the first game of the season. Let's start there and see what we got before we start getting to the Cowboys are going to be the, the the Super Bowl top five Super Bowl team. Thank you, because that's where I stand here. Win the division, okay? Figure out how to, to win the NFC East, and now we know there's an extra playoff you know, team that's going to come out. So it's to be seven playoff teams. So win the NFC East, try to figure out a way to get home field advantage and give your team a break to rest up a little bit. I think that those are the keys um, to, to get yourself where you want to go. So try to win the East, try to be the number one seed. And, and then you move on from there. Because as Bill Parcells used to say when he was coaching the Cowboys, hey, get in the tournament in the back. So that's what you want to do. I'm one of those that has long since gotten tired of people saying in Cowboys and Super Bowl. Um, we haven't seen the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game since they won Super Bowl 30. So it's been that long ago. And we're about to go into Super Bowl 55. So really, just, just figure out how to beat Philadelphia, New York, and Washington to take the East. Try to get yourself... You know, because I think it's going to take you 12 to 13 wins to try and lock up the number one spot. We know San Francisco is, is a team that's heavily favored and people like them. You know, Seattle's going to be tough. So, got, got to handle that. And then, then you know, you roll the dice and see wherever, wherever, wherever you can go. I agree with Listen, you 100% on that one. Vegas is writing the story for the Cowboys right now. Coach of the year, top five Super Bowl. What's next? What's next? Uh, Defensive player for MVP. Oh. <laughs> okay, is that so going to be D-Law? Is, is, is it D-Law? <laughs> well, well, here, here we go on that. So, so for defensive player of the year odds, uh, Aaron Donald is is got the best odds, and, and, and we all get that. Aaron is a fantastic player, and he's won the award before. Tank comes in at number twelve. So, Aaron Donald plus seven hundred. Tank is at uh, plus twenty five hundred. So, that's that's the highest ranked Cowboy with the best odds to be defensive player of the year. Tank Lawrence. I'll say this. Um, this scheme should help take advantage of his abilities. And if they're blitzing more, that's going to be more opportunities for, for Tank. And if Alden Smith, who's been reinstated, if Alden Smith can bring some juice along with Tyrone Crawford and maybe Randy Gregory, if he's reinstated, if these three can combine to produce what, what Robert Quinn did last year, then Tank Lawrence is good, should have an opportunity to be in the conversation because I expect him to be back in the double-digit sack range. Ooh, that was a lot of ifs. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. That was a lot of ifs. You know, I, I, I was listening. I'm like, man, he don't like number five right now. I think. <laughs> let's let's just say let's just say that um, I think D. Law, even without all of those things happening. I think he has the potential and the talent 
to still be one of those uh, people that's in the, in the running for being uh, defensive player of the year. I think he has the ability to beat to win in one on ones. He can beat double teams. They can move him around from inside to outside. And I still think he has a lot of opportunities to make a lot of plays, even if all those things don't go exactly right. So I think he should be higher than twelve because I just have that much faith in D Law. I think you'll see a, a whole different player this year. Yeah, to me, uh, I think 12 is a good place for him, especially after he came through uh, last year with those five sacks. But um, like D or like uh, the, uh, McCray said, I mean, he has all the talent in the world, athleticism. He can do, he can be a defensive player of the year. I think it comes down to two things, though. I think it'll come down to how they, how the scheme fits, and I think it comes down to the help from the other side on the defensive line. I think if, like you said, I think if Alden Smith. And uh, Tyrone Crawford and those boys show up and, pre- and create constant pressure from that other side. I think it'll free up um, the Marcus Lawrence, you know, to get more one-on-ones and be able to capitalize on those. Also, if this scheme is what we've been hearing and saying they're going to blitz a lot, it'll it'll help him get more one-on-ones with those tackles and it'll help him um, advance to the quarterback and get a lot of strip sacks and all that good stuff, which will promote him to defensive player of the year. So I think he has a great opportunity to do so. I just think it depends on those two things: scheme and what uh, what uh, help he's getting on the other side. Now no, let's no, go. Louis, I, I, I got a question yes. for you. I, I got a question for you. So th- those two years when uh, D Law played on the franchise tag, when, when I think he had like 15 sacks one year, 14 another year. I'm, I'm not sure. I could be off. Who was the the rusher on the opposite side of him? Was it Randy Gregory? Well, it, it was Randy. It was a combination of guys. But but yeah, yeah so, it, it, it was no no one as good as Robert Quinn. That's where you yeah yeah my, no yeah. That's what I'm saying. What, 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 what my point was, it, it was nobody on that side, and that's when he was make, wreaking the havoc. And then when he the best the best player that he had opposite from him was when he ended up with five sacks. So I I, I just don't think it leans that much on who's opposite of him. I think it's more on him and his his ability to get the job done wherever he lines up at. Now this is this is my take on a part of why he got five sacks. He wasn't healthy. And, you know, you take a healthy player with other guys on that side. Let's say he's healthy last year. Because he was, remember, he was dealing with a shoulder. And he, it was a tra- from training camp on. You know, Tank was dealing with some things. So you take a healthy Tank and then you get a productive season from the other side like he did with Robert Quinn and with a new scheme. You take those factors in there, I think that you can get the player that you had two and three years ago. That that's what I think. That's my belief on it. That's where I stand. Yeah, I also oh, yeah. think we, that. We, 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 we. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was also gonna say I also think that um, I think they improved the interior of the defensive line too with uh, Poe and McCoy getting there. So that should also be able to free him up a little bit more for more one on ones because teams aren't just gonna single block those two inside because they can wreak havoc. So I just think that'll help him out a little bit too. Oh yeah, this but this is why I see him at at, at, at higher than twelve. <laughs> It, it, it's a lot of things that they that they've done outside of if there's a lot of guys that they put out there to help him out. So I think he should just I think he should be higher than twelve. I see him. With, I don't want to make a bet on this Nui, but I'm seeing him with 15, 16 sacks this season. Okay, so so Ooh. based on that, all right, based on that, Danny, you could go over there and make you a side little bet right now. Throw, throw yourself down one hundred fifty bucks. Listen, man, I work. I, I work. I work for a, a, a club team, and that is oh, against the rules, yeah. Nui. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for letting me put that out there. I will not be placing any bets at any sports <laughs> books in Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. No, that that's fair enough. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go to Smart the MVP man. odds. So the okay. MVP odds are. Um, 
Patrick Mahomes, plus 400. Dak Prescott comes in at number four at uh, 1,200. So the MVP voting right now, it's, it's Mahomes, former winner, Lamar Jackson, former winner, Russell, West, uh, Russell Wilson from Seattle, then Dak Prescott. So, um, and that's also from sportsbetting.ag. Dak at number four, his jersey number. McCray, <laughs> you good with that? Listen, listen. Okay, all right. So we got Coach of the Year, top five. We got Super Bowl, <laughs> top five. And we got Quarterback, uh, Player of the Year, top five. Goodness, listen, franchise tag, Dak is going to break the bank next year after he wins MVP playing on his franchise tag. I think I think it's great. I think he has an opportunity to get that done, especially with the chip that he's going to have on his shoulder for having to play on that franchise tag. So I, I, think, that's, I think that's about right. Yeah, I got to agree with you, McCray, on this one. I think it's, it's right on, man. I think you got to put, you know, Mahomes up there just because what, what he's been doing these past two years is remarkable. You got to put Lamar Jackson up there because he won it last year. And then dangerous Russell Wilson out there, he's always a playmaker out there. So I think he fits right there at four. And with these with these weapons around him, now I know we said, you know, it's all on paper, it's all on paper. But if they're able to take that paper onto the field, I mean, this offense could be unstoppable, and this guy could put up ridiculous numbers. If he shaves down the interception rate that he had last year, I think he can put up even better numbers than he did the year before. Plus, you're right, he's playing with, if he does end up playing on that franchise tag, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to go out there and want to prove everybody wrong that he should have got that deal done. So, I think he has a lot of uh, incentives to get MVP and the Oxo play extremely well this season. Um, so, I'm going to have to say, I think he's right on the nail at, at number four. He might even creep into the top two before the end of the season. The beauty of the MVP award for Dak Prescott is it normally goes to a quarterback. It's a quarterback award. It's like a Heisman Trophy. I mean, you've got to be really, really good at another position to put up some you know, record-breaking numbers in order to be the MVP. All right, we've got a lot of topics that we still need to get to here. CeeDee Lamb, Hall of Fame career. Someone actually said this on local radio in Dallas. Uh, we'll dive into that. Alden Smith gets some high praise from head coach Mike McCarthy. Sports outdoors in Texas. The NFL is obviously planning on playing a season this year. And the Dallas Cowboys have their own thoughts on the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We'll dive into that as well. This is the Players' Lounge on DallasCowboys.com radio. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... It's right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back to the Players' Lounge. All right. Friday. Every Friday at 11. Barry Church, former Cowboys defensive back. Uh, Danny McCray, former Dallas Cowboys defensive back. Me, New East Coast, longtime Cowboys reporter. We do this show, and um, we have fun doing it. We, we do it a little bit different than the other podcasts here, DallasCowboys.com, a little bit more free-flowing. One thing that I heard this week, and I said, yeah, I got to bring it to the boys. I got to bring it to the boys because I bet they haven't heard it. The Cowboys flagship station in Dallas-Fort Worth is 105.3 The Fan. And Mike Bassick um, is on the show The KNC Masterpiece, which airs uh, 10 to 2. And Mike used to be a major league pitcher, pitched for the Texas Rangers and other teams. And Mike... From the time the Cowboys have drafted wide receiver C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma has nothing but praise for him. In fact, he says he believes C.D. Lamb is going to have a Hall of Fame career with the Dallas Cowboys. C.D. Lamb is, of course, going to wear number 88. The Cowboys have two receivers in the Hall of Fame, and they've been around since 1960. Bullet Bob Hayes, Michael Irvin. Those are the only two who spent the bulk of their careers as Dallas Cowboys in the Hall of Fame. When it comes to the Cowboys' ring of honor, they have three. Hayes, Irvin, and Drew Pearson. So to say CeeDee Lamb is going to have a Hall of Fame career, boy, that's, that is, that's, that's long odds. It's that hard when you think about how successful the Cowboys have been since 1960 to think that CeeDee Lamb is going to come in here and be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. So, Danny, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on that. Man, <laughs> this guy, he must work in Vegas. He, he, he must be. That's another. That's another line that we got, man. We got another top guy. This is crazy. Like, so the bar that he will have to pass just just to even get out of the conversation or shadow of the last best receiver to play here, Des Bryant, is what seventy five touchdowns. Let's start with the season. He's going to be playing. We, we're not sure yet, but he'll be playing opposite of Amari Cooper or in the slot. So he won't even be the number one guy coming into the league like a Des Bryant was. So he, he will have much more much more production and much more uh, things that he will have to do to even be seen this year to, to say, hey, look, this guy's special. He's going to be a Hall of Fame guy. You got We got to see a lot from him to even say that. And, and, and this guy said it. So I don't know. He, he's in Vegas. I, I think it's wrong. I think it's too early. I got to see something on the field first. Church? Yeah, D-Mac, you're 100% correct on this one. I mean, like we said, we, we have yet to see this man even take a snap in OTAs, minicamp, anything. And, and everybody looks good in shorts. We've all seen that. Yes, this guy is super explosive. He returns kicks. He can. He's dynamic. He can play in a slot. He can play 
outside. He can play anywhere on the field, but we've yet to see this guy play in the NFL. And we're already saying he has the potential. He could be a Hall of Fame caliber player. I mean, this just putting lofty expectations on this kid already. I Granted, he's a first-round pick, and he's going to have expectations, but to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer, putting that pressure on him already, when, when he comes in, I think he'll be the third receiver behind Gallup and behind Amari Cooper. So like you said, it's going to be hard for him to get, you know, a great amount of targets in his rookie year. Now, now saying, you know, rookies, you know, they can come in this league and start out slow and still have a Hall of Fame career later on in their career. So I'm not saying, you know, he has to be this brilliant guy in his rookie year just to make it to the Hall of Fame. But I just don't I don't think we should put that crazy pressure on a guy who's coming in. He has to wear the 88 jersey already. Now we're saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer and he's going to surpass Des Bryant and all his other I just think it's, uh, it's blasphemy, but I wouldn't put that pressure on that young man like that. Is Des Bryant a Hall of Famer? No. As of right? No, no. I say he's so, a ring of honor. So, 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 so no, you both not ring about and, no. and tw- you you both in 2010 saw saw how Dez looked like a, a man amongst boys when he got out there and started playing in his first year as a Dallas Cowboy, right? And so when when you see something like that, I think you could say, all right, this guy might be a Hall of Famer. But that is the bar for what C.D. Lamb would have to do to to be mentioned as a Hall of Famer, just go- being in his first year in the NFL, in my eyes. When I start thinking about Hall of Fame careers and and just you know what it takes to get yourself you know into the conversation, for instance, I think we can all look at Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and say these are guys who will be in the conversation. They recently had the NFL All Decade team, and both guys were on there. You know, you've got to have some All Pro selections, and and that's what Tyron and Zach have. And you've got to have you know multiple Pro Bowls, and you got to you know you got to be on an All Decade team pretty much. I mean, you pretty much have to be on an all-decade team, first or second team. So what we're asking C.D. Lamb to do, at least I should say what Mike Vasek is talking about, when you put that kind of expectations on him, you need 10 years of outstanding play at your position. And on top of that, you need health. And that's an underrated thing when you're talking about playing in the National Football League or basically any sport. And you guys did it because you played at that level. Staying healthy for 10 years, that's hard. But that's kind of what you got to do and where you got to go when you're talking about trying to get up to that level in order to get yourself into a Hall of Fame conversation. It's amazing. And it might not even – And it might not even look at, look at Drew Pearson, who's had – you know, he's a – He's all decade player. He's been all pros. He's all this, that, and the third. And he's still not in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, it's – you got to be unbelievably special to get in there and, you know, to put that pressure on him this early, I think it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to see him play against NFL players, at least, <laughs> before you say something <laughs> like that. We just haven't seen it. You, you could, he's a Hall of Famer based on what he did in college. This is crazy. Bill Parcells, and you guys weren't here at the time, but there was a running back that the Cowboys drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame named Julius Jones. And Julius came in and brought some juice. And people, you know, they were loving what they were seeing. And he was an exciting player. Bill Parcells one day chastised us in the media for giving all this publicity to Julius Jones. And he spent the offseason. Everybody was loving. He was going to, you know, signing, you know, going to those card shows. Everybody was loving Julius. He said, fellas, put the anointing oil away. And, and that stayed with me. And we talked about, you know, the, and, and believe me, we know Parcells has had some Hall of Fame guys. And he said, put the anointing oil away. And that's when I started to really understand. What Bill talks about is you got to put together a lot of, 
great seasons to be even in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. And Julius at that time hadn't put together three great seasons, you know. Um, hadn't led the league in rushing, you know. Hadn't been an all-pro, you know, the things that you need to be considered for those conversations. And and that's my thing, and I guess all three of us are on there about CeeDee Lamb is, hey, man, we haven't seen this guy in OTA yet, and we haven't seen what he can do in terms of getting off man coverage in the NFL. There's great expectations, but to start to put expectations that someone's going to be in the Hall of Fame, woo, that, that's that's really unrealistic because so few guys make the Hall of Fame, and we've only seen two guys in the history of the Dallas Cowboys for the bulk of their careers in the, with the Cowboys make it into Canton, Ohio. He, he, he's, yeah. going to have to, uh, he, he's going to have to be super productive for the next five years because I think they got Amari Cooper for five. So outshine him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what you got to do. <laughs> He's going to have to. And if he wants to make the Hall of Fame as a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's touch oh, yeah. on another. T- let's touch on another topic here. And, and Danny, you brought this up in the pre-show. And Governor Greg Abbott of Texas has said that fans can start attending outdoor uh, sporting events in Texas. 25% capacity. Texas Motor Speedway on June 6th is going to run the IndyCar race. It's going to be the first IndyCar race season. And I spoke yesterday with Eddie Goss, who's the general manager and the president of TMS. He said they will not have fans there. Uh, the Colonial is going to have the first, uh, they're going to have the PGA tournament here. And, and they say over at Fort Worth that they're not going to have fans either. But if we get toward the fall here and the Cowboys are playing football, and, and if they say outdoor events, maybe Jerry opens up the stadium roof and, and claims that that's an outdoor facility. <laughs> Do you think that's how he gets it? Because, you know, in, in baseball, baseball's talking about starting up too. So the Rangers now have this retractable roof. Is that how you get around it if you're the Rangers and the Cowboys? I mean, there's always loopholes in everything, man. So if they're saying it's got to be an outdoor you know event or outdoor space to be able to have fans there i believe jerry's going to open up that you know that roof and say come on in i mean i think it'll be like you said 25 percent capacity or whatnot but i think they'll open up that roof and say hey it's an outdoor event you know we got free-flowing air coming in here fans <laughs> come on in <laughs> fans coming on i think i think they'll pull that loophole and i think they'll do it the same with the uh, rangers <laughs> yeah i think uh <laughs> Listen, straight up, Jerry Jones and them season tickets and those sweet sales, he'll chop that roof off if he has to to get the fans in that statement. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's nothing that Jerry would not do to get fans in the stadium and be, like, leading the league and, and inno- like, being innovative for, to get this thing done. He will take that thing off just so he can show that the Cowboys are able to get stuff done unlike any other team in the league. Here's something that I find interesting and where teams could be put in a very particular situation. So if we get to September and it's still a 25% limit, who are the 25% of the season ticket holders who get to come in? Also, do the the people that season ticket holders that aren't you know in that twenty five percent do they get their money back? I mean, it's, it's a lot of things what, that go into this. And what about the sweet holders? Are they are they because they in the twenty five percent now? They paid a lot of money, so I, I imagine them getting there first. And then also, right. oh, what oh. about? 
the celebrities that want to come in? Are they going to boot season ticket holders because <laughs> a celebrity wants to come watch a game? I mean, it's it's tricky. You're getting dicey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are you know, these are going to be interesting questions that that have to be asked. And now it's May, and and I, I you know, I put this out here. To, this is what we know now in May. And sports is fluid. We always talk about that. Sports is fluid. So by the time the Cowboys have their their home opener in week two. Maybe it's up to 50, maybe it's up to 60%, or maybe it's at 100. I mean, we, we obviously we have a ways to go, but right now at 25%, that's an interesting thing that I would have if I was a Cowboys season ticket holder right now to wonder, okay, can I get in? And, and how do you make the 25%? And that's going to be something that, that, you know, not just the Cowboys, every NFL team. And let's say they say the same thing in college. You know, Danny, you're Alan Water, LSU. You know, if they go cap it at twenty five percent, who are the twenty five percent who actually get to get into Tiger Stadium? The student section, of course. <laughs> the student section. They, they they'll be the first people in, inside the stadium because they rowdy and they get everything started. LSU knows exactly who they need in the stadium. So when it comes to this twenty five percent thing, are we also talking about the media as well? Are they considered that twenty five percent, or are they just off on their own? And we're just talking about straight fans can only, or season ticket holders can only be the twenty five percent people going in. Great question. So when NASCAR held its first race at Darlington Raceway when they restarted the season, there were no media allowed. And for the IndyCar races coming here to Texas Motor Speedway on June sixth. Right now, Indy says no media. Um, I was told by TMS officials yesterday that they are petitioning to try to get two people from my station into the uh, event since we're the rights holders for it, and it's going to be live on, on NBC5. Over at the Charles Schwab Invitational uh, Colonial, they're allowing two media members in uh, for each outlet and what they told the media members is uh, there could be one photographer one reporter for a TV outlet and they have to be the same two people all week long so from Tuesday to Sunday you know your outlet has to be the same two people so let's just say the Dallas Cowboys were gonna send two people to go cover the golf event it would be Danny and Barry and you guys would have to you know you'd have to get tested beforehand and get take your temperature every day and you could only be the only two dudes there and from what I'm told, the golf event, that you're not going to be able to interview the golfers one-on-one. There's going to be a pool feed. And so um, they'll go to an interview room, and then, you know, they'll just you plug your, you know, you just plug your camera in there, and, and you know, that, that's how you do it. So it, it's, it's uh, the world has changed. But once again, what we, what's happening in June may not be what happens in September. It's, it's, it's a constantly fluid situation. That is true, and I just, you know, to me, having sports at all, you know, even if there's no fans or anything like that, is better than, you know, watching the the cornhole championships or something, or you know, something like that. So, uh, for me, I I rather just have sports, even if there is no fans. I just rather have sports there in general. So hopefully they can figure out something. Twenty five percent or no fans at all. Hopefully they can figure out something. But I will say, with no fans at you know golf and uh, NASCAR events like that, I think you can get away with it. But I think it's going to be pretty difficult for the players standpoint point in a football game it's going to be like practice out there it's just going to be all you're going to hear is pads clapping so it's going to be hard to be motivated um, on the football field at least for myself I think so 
Yeah, j- just imagine it, right? <laughs> Snap counts, all this stuff. You know, no, no uh, people understand trying to disrupt the uh, offensive snap count. It, it'd be a whole different game without fans for football. Much different than than some of those other sports that are starting up, starting up pretty soon. So I think we we all want to see it, and I, and hopefully we could get it done uh, safely. Because uh, w- without sports, I'm, I'm I'm definitely tired of watching NBA 2K League. On Sports Center, it's, it's 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 rough, man. It's rough. So let's let's get this thing done safely. Let's take our time to get it done right. So football has the upper hand when it's time when it's September, and we we can get a few fans in the stands at least, so, so we can have that that real football atmosphere. I mean, just you, think about it. You, you on the, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Louis. No, 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 go, go go church. Go. I was just saying, just on the for a defensive perspective with no fans in there. I mean, just think about the quarterbacks making a couple of checks. And you're, you know, you're in a secondary. He makes one or two checks, and he does that again and again. You're gonna, oh, I hear what he's saying. He's about to do this right. <laughs> I mean, I, I just feel like it would be advantage for the defensive side of the ball. So, hey, I mean, you got your pros and your cons. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be strange, man. You could like hear people talking trash and making all these noises. It's gonna be funny. It's gonna be funny. <laughs> the beauty for NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is that other leagues are going to be in action so he can take notes and move from there. The NHL this week announced that they're going to have a 2014 playoff format and that they're going to choose two hubs. So um, an Eastern Conference City and a Western Conference City and all the teams are going to go there and they will uh, go ahead and play play out those uh, play out those series there. And so we'll, that's to me the beauty is we'll see exactly how they decide to go with it. You know, do they allow some fans in here? Do they not allow fans? And then the NBA is getting closer to getting back as well. And I believe baseball, once they can figure out uh, their issues between the players and owners concerning salary, I think they'll be back in action. So by the time September gets here, I believe there'll be enough case studies out there where the NFL can say, we liked a little bit of this that we saw in hockey. We don't like that we saw in baseball. We love this what we saw in the NBA. We like what we saw in golf. And they'll be able to take all that and put it together and find something that works out very well for the National Football League's players and its fans. I think the NFL's sitting in a really good spot. Yeah, the NFL's in a prime position, like you said. I mean, they get to, they didn't have to cut their season in half or they didn't get to cancel their season midway through it. Um, like you said, they have, the, they have all the case studies ahead of them from the NHL, from PGA, from the NBA, from soccer overseas. So they can see, they can take bits and pieces from each one of those scenarios and see what they like for their football situation going forward. So I'm agreeing with you, Nui. I think the NFL's in prime position. Well you, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh, it, <laughs> like we always say, it could also go the opposite way. The NFL will be last to start their season. So if none of this stuff works out and all of a sudden we start seeing a return to where we were two months ago, that is a bad, that's a bad situation for, for NFL football for the season. All right, let's get another break in here. Um, Want to get into Mike McCarthy and a couple comments that he made on a conference call with uh, reporters on Wednesday. And several Dallas Cowboy players, and of course players across the NFL and across sports, are speaking about out about uh, the death of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. And uh, let's touch on that and let you hear from Tank Lawrence and Jordan Lewis right here on the Players' Lounge. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. 
Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping. And that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to the Players' Lounge. Friday, Players' Lounge right here on DallasCowboys.com Radio. I'm Newey Scruggs, joined by Barry Church and Danny McCray, former Dallas Cowboys defensive backs. All right, the video, uh, I'm going to just assume you have both seen it of George Floyd um, and his alterca- and the altercation with uh, Minneapolis police and having the police officer on George Floyd's neck and he ended up passing away. Saw an interview on, t- on the Today Show, uh, Craig Melvin of the Today Show interviewing Stephen Jackson, former NBA player, won a championship with the Spurs. He talked about George Floyd, his friend, and we're seeing uh, people take to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, social media, athletes speaking out about it. Jordan Lewis of the Cowboys went on Twitter and said, would you like to be, this is, uh, would you like to be treated like a black person in America? Answer that question. Don't need any explanations. Then Tank Lawrence put out a tweet that says, done being quiet and done being angry. How can we feel safe when those meant to protect us are killing us? When will minorities be free to be Americans in America? Those are from two Cowboys players. Uh, Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles has spoken out about this. Zach Ertz of the Eagles has spoken out about this. Um, Carson Wentz wrote, Can't fathom what being uh, what the black community has to endure on a daily basis. Being from North Dakota, I spent a large part of my life surrounded by people of similar color, so I'm never going to act like I know what the black community goes through or even has gone through already. I'll never know the feelings of having to worry about my kids going outside of their own skin color. And then he also went on to write, I don't understand a society we live in that doesn't value all human life. It's heartbreaking and disturbing. 
All right, gentlemen, let me get your opinions on uh, what we have seen this week and athletes who are speaking out, a lot of people across the NFL. Danny, I'll start with you. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely glad and proud of a lot of the athletes that are that are speaking out. Some of them for the first time, some of them have been been saying things, but I think that's the way to get this message out is by having people with a lot of attention, a lot of followers and big platforms speak out on these things and, and give their real opinions and feelings about it. Um, I think the situation is is horrible. I, uh, the, the video is hard to watch and, and you know, as always in, in this country when things like, like that happens, you start see like, I, I start to see more outrage on people that are rioting than they had outrage on on the actual death itself. So I think that the the plight of of the African American uh, it needs to be heard, and and we just got to do something to fix this. I, I, I'm not sure how we get it done, but but we got to put our heads together and figure something out. Because before COVID happened, we had the guy jogging right after uh, lockdown was over. Now we have now we have this one. This is this is absurd. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree with you 100, percent man. This this whole situation um, it's, it's pretty disturbing. It's pretty disgusting. Um, I just you know I, it's hard to kind of put in words how you feel about the situation, but I'm just hoping that uh, the message is, is getting through. I mean, this is the first time with with these type of cases that I've seen um, not only um, African Americans that are you know high in in public standing, but you know also you know Caucasians, white white people, uh, all races are basically speaking up against this injustice. So hopefully, um, you know the message is getting through that this is something that needs to change in America. I mean, looking at that situation, like you said, the video is extremely hard to watch. Um, the, the man stand or sit or is knee, kneeling on his neck, um, impeding his his ability to breathe, and he let the officer know multiple times that hey, you know I can't breathe. This is you know this is hurting me, um, and he still just kind of and it was just so the way he did it so casually. He got his hands in his pockets like it, like he was just you know he was just. It was just—it was a bad, bad look and a bad situation, and it's not just that officer as well. I mean, I believe there was three other officers around the situation who just just let it happen. They were just sitting there, just looking at it, and just like they—they they didn't speak up at all. And I think you're—you're you're just as as wrong as the guy doing it if you're not willing to speak up and protect those who can't protect themselves. I mean, the guy was on the ground, face down, with his handcuffed, his hands cuffed behind his back, and the, the officer was just so casually, you know, kneeing on his neck. So. Hopefully, um, the message gets across that this is something that we need as a as a country to to address because it's just it's it's hurting the African American community and and I just don't think it's right and um, hopefully you know with all these other races and ethnicities speaking up um, the message will finally get clear but um, this was an extremely disturbing and uh, disgusting behavior that we've seen from uh, these cops in Minneapolis. What it brings back is the reason why Colin Kaepernick, who first sat during the National Anthem and then once he had a conversation with former uh, military member Nate Boyer, decided that he would take a knee, is Colin Kaepernick was saying, I am protesting um, the injustice of what we're seeing uh, in, in the United States of America where you see people who are black being killed. And it brought that whole thing. And, you know, NFL owners made a settlement with Colin Kaepernick. I know they wanted it to go away. But this is the very thing where people come back and say, all right, this is why Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players took a knee. They took a knee, pro they, you know, they took a knee and protested peacefully. So many people said that's not the right forum. You should not bring this into sports. Now you have this. And there are a whole lot of people who circle back and say, you know what? Colin Kaepernick was right. NFL players were right. 
How does this get fixed? I do not know. But the very sense of, hey, guess what? The whole stick to sports thing, you haven't heard a whole lot of people telling Steve Kerr, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, Tank Moore, you know, a lot, a lot of people haven't been able to say, hey, just stick to sports. This is what's going on in our society. It was raised by Colin Kaepernick. Some people tried to act like it wasn't a big deal. And what do we keep seeing here? We keep seeing the very thing that Colin Kaepernick spoke about becoming true more and more again. Yeah, and just just to go back, right? So so we, we saw, I think John Bones Jones said that, and he's the UFC fighter. Um he would never, ever want to be in a position like that. That is the worst position you could be in. And said that the officer had his knee on his throat just enough to give him enough air so he would it would take him six to uh, nine minutes to suffocate, which is the worst thing he could ever imagine in life. We've also been through uh, the, the lady walking in a guy's house and shooting him in the, in the wrong house. We've been through serving a warrant uh, at the wrong house and just shoot through windows. It's, it's a lot of stuff going on. And, and and it just makes you wonder, like 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 what's next? Like what's next? What do we have to do to get this done? And it, it, just like Newey and, and a lot of other people, I'm, I'm confused on how to get there. Uh, I'm with you as well. But the one thing that I will say is, you people who have a platform, and Tank Lawrence talked about that. You know, using the platform that I have to raise my hand. And, you know, to say there's issues here. We've seen Malcolm Jenkins uh, now with the Saints, who's with the Eagles. I mean, there's more work to be done. And what's happened in Minnesota is, is heartbreaking. But um, the unfortunate thing is if you just go back and you look through history, this has been the plight for African-Americans for a long, long time. I'm reading a book by Henry Louis Gates, who's a professor over at, Har um, at Harvard, and he talks about these very things. And so you really go back into Reconstruction from post-Civil War era, and you see a lot of these issues and a lot of these problems where law enforcement and, and the government and blacks have had issues. And so we'll see. But I'll tell you this. I will not criticize any of the athletes who decide to use their platform to try and raise their hand and say things must change because it's clear they must change. Yeah, 100% right. And you, you're, you're, you're correct. I mean, it, it must change. And it, and it has to start with, like you said, the people with, on high, with higher platforms that can get the message across. Like you said, the Tank Lawrence's, the Wint, Carson Wentz. I've seen J.J. Watt was out there. I mean, all these celebrities and all these people with high public, um, basically, a higher platform than a lot of people are out there they're speaking on this injustice so I think it has to start there and it just can't be the black community that's speaking about this it has to be all of the all of the all of the ethnicities out there as one and as a human race and we'll see what happens I'm, I'm sorry Nui I, I forgot I got to bring this up because because this also plays into to how people think that uh, police will react to African Americans with this lady in Central Park acting like she was getting threatened and in danger by uh by african-american and calling the police and trying to get them to come come save her because she knows that that will be the response from the police to african-american this is this is when you know it's out of hand like this is the defense or or this is how i'm gonna get you back or revenge for for just saying that, that i shouldn't be having a, that i should have my leash on my dog this is this is seen throughout the country. And, I, and I'm glad it's getting uh, video recorded and guys have these video cell phones because they said it's, it, it's not getting worse. We're just getting it on tape. 
You're right. Cell cell phones allow you to now have receipts and proof versus you know one person's word against the other. So you're right. Um, but I'll tell you this, and you guys both understand and know it. There's a lot of folks who deny these things. They don't want to believe they happen. I remember when Adam Jones said that he was called the N-word at Fenway Park when he was playing for the Orioles. Immediately, there are people like Kurt Schilling, former Red Sox, but they didn't want to believe it. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. They even had a good close friend of mine tell me, I don't believe you. And then, you know, you come to find out that it was right. Um, it did happen to Adam Jones. So th the first thing, you know, a lot of, and this is the crazy thing about this world, man, is you almost need to have this camera phone as a defense for yourself when you go out in public now because you just don't know where things are going to go crazy. And you, you have to learn to really educate your kids. And you guys have young kids, and my kids are, little, are older than yours, but there's simple things that you have to tell you. Because I, I, I told my daughter, we were out shopping one day, and, and the cashier said, do you want your receipt? I said, yes. And as I'm walking out, I tell my 13-year-old, always take your receipt. Because you don't ever know if somebody's going to accuse you of not paying for something. And This is true. And, and I'll tell you, man, I was, I was at a seafood restaurant over at the Dallas Farmer's Market. Um, there was a waitress who was working a whole bunch of tables. So she was my waitress, but also there was a manager and I was sitting at a bar and, and the guy at the bar was helping um, serve me. So at the end, I finished. He took my payment. I left. And then I continued to shop uh, you know, a couple stores down at the Farmer's Market. And the waitress comes up to me and she says, you didn't pay. I'm looking at her. And what? She says, you you didn't pay. And at that point in time, man, I was living. Because I'm sitting here <laughs> in another store shopping, and this woman's accusing me of dining and dashing. And I said, no, I pay with my credit card. And I said, let's go down here. So we went right down here where the manager was, right here in this restaurant. This lady says I didn't pay. I paid you. And he said, yeah, you paid. And then, and, and then he says, well, we've had issues with people who've been dining and dashing. I said, that's not me. And I looked at the waitress. If you were doing your job and he wasn't sitting here trying to do it for you, you'd have known. And I said, and I looked at her, I said, I even tipped you. You weren't even doing most of the job here, and I tipped you. But those are the things that you live with. And you have to, you have to, you know, these are parts of being black. And you have to understand how you cope with it and, you know, luckily for me, it was just a shopping situation where I had to deal with it. But these things happen. When I go back to my kid and I just say, that's why you have to carry a receipt because you just never know. And you don't expect to get the benefit of the doubt either. That's why you got to keep the receipt. But these are the things in, in, in the world we live in. And so when you see a guy like Carson Wentz write what he did on Twitter um, and, and say, hey, look, I, I don't understand what you, you, you had to go through. But you know what? I, I, I want to I wanna be there and help you and help our society get better. And that, that to me is, is uh, you know, Carson Wentz went up a whole lot in my book. I've always liked Carson Wentz. I always liked Carson Wentz. But, uh, you know, Carson in my book, man, went up a whole lot. <laughs> He's so, invited so to the barbecue, so huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Making ribs. I'm making ribs for Carson. How you want your ribs done, baby? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. If we can answer this question over here, but um, so what happens to these guys, or, or, or at least the guy that had had the uh, the neck on the guy's throat? Is he is 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 he going to jail, or is this a, a, another case of he was justified in what he did? 
I think he should be tried. I think he should be tried um, by a jury uh, for murder. Um, either it be, you know, whatever, whatever attempted, whatever, or not attempted, but, you know, whatever the, the degree is, I think he should be tried um, with a jury in front of, with his peers. All right. Uh, Barry, here's, here's what I'll say to what you just said, okay? You can go and put someone on trial and even convict them of murder. Okay. Remember Amber Geiger, the police officer in Dallas who went into another man's apartment that she claimed was her own. He was sitting there eating ice cream, both of John, and shot and killed him. Okay? She was convicted of murder. But what's the sentence? Okay? That that's always the issue to me in terms of, hey, you can put you can sit up here and say, hey, you did it, but you know, here's three to five years in jail. And then get out. So is it going that's to true. be a sentence where it's twenty-five? 30 years? Is it life? I mean, what do you get? So taking somebody, putting them on a witness stand, convicting them, that means that means very little if there's no real penalty for taking someone's life in that fashion. And I gotta yep. believe both of John's parents and family don't believe that their son's life was justified in the sentence that that police officer got. Listen, if, if you want to go see how much, if you want to go see the administration this year and how much, how many issues that they have, check out the new documentary that came out on Netflix yesterday, the Epstein story. You, you, you I think you will be surprised. I was going to check it out. I'm going to have to check it out now. Bro, it's, it's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely crazy, mostly because a lot of the people that are in that documentary are, are still public figures. It's not like it's old to where you don't know these guys or they passed on. These these are people who are still here in positions of power. And, and when you see how, how he got off and you watch some of the mob movies where they had like they were able to bring their own food in and leave jail and, you know, special privilege and all that stuff. All this stuff is in there. I feel like they got it from this documentary. Just just check it out, man. You, you, you'll be upset, but you'll be like, yeah, the faith in the system is is lacking for me. <laughs> Uh, somebody here, a uh, real Anthony uh, on Twitter says, the break at least talks about cowboys. Let me tell you what. Well, this topic <laughs> we're talking about here, we spoke about cowboys who were involved in what they did. Had Jordan Lewis and Tank, are you, or did you not get that part of it? This affects cowboys. And Barry, Danny, you guys are in the locker room. These are issues that you guys talk about as football players here. George Floyd is an issue that will be talked about in the locker room. Yes or no? The name of this podcast is called The Players' Lounge. This is what we talk about when we sit in the locker room and we amongst each other, you know, say, hanging out, playing cards, and doing what we want to do, all right? And, and this is another issue of that. You don't want to hear about it. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> and that is why, why we do the show. All right, I want to end this here on Mike McCarthy. We had a conference call with the uh, local media on Wednesday. And Mike has been in Green Bay basically since right before the draft. So he's been in Wisconsin, says he's eager to get back here to the star. But he spoke about Alden Smith and his meeting with Alden Smith. And he just was excited that Alden was reinstated by the NFL. And he believes that he could have uh, an impact for the Cowboys. And when asked, hey, he's been off for a number of years. Um, you know, what do you expect? And he said, I've never dealt with a player in that situation. But he has faith in the guy and the journey he's been on. So, so, Danny, I know you've been skeptical about what Alden Smith can bring you. The fact that the head coach has a belief in the player, does that 
ease any concerns for you at all? No, he he's on the team. He has to have faith in the player. What was he supposed to say? He was, nah, man, I don't, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make it. We're going to try it out. He has to. <laughs> now, he's hoping. Believe me, his fingers are crossed. And he's praying like, hey, man, I hope this dude, you know what I'm saying, doesn't make us look bad. And actually he makes, makes us look like we made a great decision and we know more than everybody else. But, yeah, I mean, that's what he's going to say. He has to. He has to show that he has faith in his players. That, that's a player's coach. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're right on that one. He got to do that. He has to support his players. I mean, he is the coach. Now, if you're asking me, I don't think there's no way in hell he's going to come out here and, and produce, you know, double-digit sacks and do all this stuff. I, you know, I, you don't, you haven't played the game in four years. And the last time he had a highly productive season was 2012. So we're talking about eight years ago. Uh, I just don't see it happening. But, hey, he could prove me wrong. We'll see. Josh Gordon. He's 30 years old and and – Apparently, according to, to what, what Coach McCarthy is saying, uh, he, he looks great and he's, he's attacked the workouts. Now, obviously, uh, those workouts are not football workouts, but he was impressed with what he'd seen from Aldous Smith in San Francisco and from a mental standpoint, which is really the most important thing you have when you're trying to do something like this. From a mental standpoint, he does believe that Alden Smith is in the place he needs to be in order to come back and take advantage of this opportunity. And clearly the Cowboys are taking a chance. And, Dad, you talked about the ifs I rolled out before in terms of player of the year for Tank Lawrence on the defensive side. There's a lot of ifs here. There's a lot of ifs. But I haven't had a chance to talk to McCarthy. I mean, talk to Alden Smith. McCarthy has. And for a guy that, in the little bit I've been around with Mike, he doesn't throw out many bouquets. He's, you know, he's kind of guarded with his words, but he has an excitement about Alden Smith. And and that, that to me, I think is pretty good because how many times have we seen coaches through the years get a player and they're kind of like, eh, okay, we'll see. I mean, I remember draft night when Jerry took Randy Gregory and how Jason Garrett's tone changed from for, talking about first round pick Byron Jones. He's the right kind of guy. And then having to talk about Randy Gregory. I mean, he was a total was different right. deal there. He was right. He was right. He was correct. He was correct in his thoughts. Right, right. So, so that's why I say I, I, I at least can feel good about that aspect. All right, the coach has a player that he he, he wants and thinks can 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 do something here. And of course, we can talk all day long. It's got to be about action, what he does. But but hopefully he takes advantage because one thing we know, they'll pay you to rush the passer in this league. Despite your transgressions in the past and what you've done, if you can get to the quarterback, NFL owners will write you a check. And Alden Smith has an opportunity at 30 years old on a one-year deal to cash in and do something for him. So hopefully he, he takes advantage of it. All right, that is the Players' Lounge for Friday. Danny McCray, former Dallas Cowboys defensive back. Barry Church, former Dallas Cowboys defensive back. Uh, appreciate you guys joining me. I'm Louis Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter. And we will do it again next Friday right here on DallasCowboys.com Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!